Well, welcome everyone once again to our Wednesday night Bible study uh, in the book of Romans. Uh, the title of our lesson tonight is A Purposeful Life, and we're going to be looking at Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. So let's go ahead first and read our passage. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to wise and to foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Now, in last week's lesson, we saw that we are called and loved by God. In verses 6 and 7, Paul says, You also are the called of Jesus Christ, beloved of God, and called to be Saints. Now that's a great lesson. It's a great thing to know. But the fact is, what do we do with that information? Where do we go from here? What does Now that we've been called by God, adopted into his family, what does God expect from us? Now, that's the question we're going to try to answer today. And I want to start here. It seems to be this trendy thing nowadays for everyone to have mission statements. You see, uh, even churches have mission statements or nonprofit organizations or businesses have these things called mission statements. And the idea of a mission statement is to define a, a purpose of an organization and, and kind of uh, try to guide its, its actions. Now, Paul, of course, would, uh, writing 2,000 years ago, he would have never even heard the term uh, mission statement. He would have no idea uh, what that uh, phrase even means. But the fact is that Paul had a mission statement, and he defined that to us last week in verse 5. He said this, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. You see, there you have it. That was Paul's purpose in life. That was his life's mission, to glorify the name of Christ by bringing about the obedience of faith among people of different ethnicities, different nations, different tribes, different tongues. That was his purpose in life. Now, let's, we're going to talk tonight, uh, tonight about purpose. Let's first define that. Now, for most people, if you ask them uh, what does purpose mean, it, it would mean well, it, it's what we're to do in this life. But purpose goes far beyond that. In, for, in fact, purpose goes to the very reason uh, that we exist. I mean, think about just everyday life. Think about uh, things like hammers or, or nail polish or batteries or, or soap. Everything is created. Everything is built. Everything is made for a purpose. So here's the question. What were, what were you created for? What's, why do you exist? What is the purpose of, of your existence. Now, there's several ways we could answer this question. Um, the first thing we could do is take what I call the easy approach, and that is we just Google it. 
Um, and that's exactly what I did. I just went into Google and I typed, what is my purpose in, in life? And I came up with a few things. Uh, one person said to live conscious, consciously and courageously. Now, that was a little confusing. I don't know how you live unconsciously, but somehow this person has, has got that figured out. Another one said to awaken the great spirits within others. I have no, no clue what that means. And then, uh, of course, one person said the purpose of life is a life of purpose. So you'll find out very quickly that going to Google uh, doesn't help you very much. Uh, another approach that people take to find the purpose in life is what I call the mystical approach. And you find this a lot on talk shows like Oprah, uh, self-help programs and seminars, things like that. And a lot of them will tell you, you just need to look within yourself to discover your uh, purpose. Well, I can tell you, I've looked within myself, and I don't even know my own heart. I've looked within myself, and I don't really even like what I saw there. And, and the fact is, if we're honest, if we could know the purpose of life by looking inside ourselves, then everybody would know it by now. But that just doesn't uh, work. The third thing we could do is take what's called the intellectual approach. And there's a guy by the name of John Moorhead, who's the head of the Department of Philosophy at Northeastern University, and he took this approach. So what he did is he wrote to 250 very well-known intellectuals around the world. So these are, these are scientists, they're, they're authors, they are members of think tanks, they're um, just some of the smartest people that he could possibly find. And he wrote to 250 of them, and he said, what is the meaning and the purpose of, of life? Now, I got to admit, the results, if you read it, were kind of depressing. Um, the vast majority of them said, I have no idea. Uh, some answered, but then they just said, to be honest, I'm just making that up. Some of them even wrote back to Professor Moorhead and said, if you know the purpose of life, would you please tell me? Um, it, it reminds me in 1 Corinthians 3, 19-21, Paul says this, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 4, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the unbelievers do in the futility of their thinking. Now, those two scriptures are very interesting when it comes to this definition of purpose. And what they tell us is that no matter who you are, no matter how much you've accomplished, no matter how smart you are, apart from God, apart from a relationship with Him, everything you do is futility. It's without purpose. It's absolutely meaningless. Bertram Russell, who was a very well-known atheist and, and um, wrote a lot of books and was a professor and all this stuff, he said this, unless you assume the existence of God, the purpose and meaning of life is irrelevant. Let me tell you, that is exactly right. If there is no life, there is, there is no God, there is no purpose in life. You might as well just eat and drink and enjoy whatever you want to do because tomorrow you die. Um, but the fact is, there is a God. And because there is a God, He is our Creator, and He has specific purposes and plans when He uh, created us. And we do matter in our lives matter. So I ask the question once again, what is your purpose 
in life. Now, if I were to show you an invention, like I've got a picture there on the screen, and let's say I invented something and no one had ever seen it before, and I just showed it to you, you would have no idea what the purpose of that thing uh, was. <clears throat> in fact, the only way we'd figure out what the purpose was was to maybe talk to the inventor and have him demonstrate it or show us what the purpose is. Or, of course, we could read the owner's manual and, and it would explain exactly what it's made for. Well, here's the thing. Your maker, your builder, your creator, your inventor, so to speak, is God. And the owner's manual of your life is the Bible. And it's only through his revealed word that you and I will ever discover our our purpose. Now, I believe people want purpose. Uh, most people want to find purpose in life. This is evidenced, I think, by the overwhelming popularity of, of Rick Warren's uh, book, A Purpose Driven Life. Now, I will confess that I'm one of only probably five or six people in the entire world that hasn't read this uh, book, uh, but I have uh, read the, the Cliff Notes. And, it, and what this book does, it gives you five purposes for your life. You were planned for God's pleasure. You were formed for God's family, created to become like Christ, shaped for serving God, and made for a mission. Now listen, I don't have any problem with the book. I don't have any problem with the fact that it breaks down our purpose into multiple areas. But if I'm honest, I can confess that I like to keep things very simple. I tend to get overwhelmed when I think, start thinking about big things. And I think most of us are probably like that. I'll give you an example. Um, sometimes in my life, I'll begin to kind of stress out over whether I'm doing enough for God. Um, I'll just start thinking, man, is there more I need to do? What does God want me to do? And, 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 and you just start, it kind of overwhelms you. Um, and whenever that happens, I always go back to one scripture to simplify things. That scripture is John 6, 28 to 29. These men came to Jesus and said, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. I just love that. See, that's Jesus is saying, Don't get overwhelmed with that. This is all I'm asking you to do is to believe in, in me. So I, I like to simplify things when I get overwhelmed. Well, the same thing applies when it comes to my purpose. This is, a, I mean, it's, this is a big thing to think about, right? But I like to keep it simple. It may seem a mystery to some. It may seem complicated to others. But the Bible is actually very clear about what our purpose is. It says it a lot of different ways. I'll give you one. 1 Peter 2.9 but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, that's as simple as it gets. We were created not for our own happiness, not for our own honor, not for our own gain, but to bring glory, to, to bring credit, to bring renown, honor, to our Creator, God Himself. You see, as a Christian, your purpose in life is absolutely clear. Paul says it another way in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of, of God. Now, that begs the question, right? How do you do it? And in, 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 in just to get very practical, how are we to do this in every aspect of our life. Well, let's go back to Paul's mission statement. I brought that up at the beginning for a reason. 
I'll read this from the New Living Translation. Paul says, Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. You see, we glorify his name in two, we, in two ways. Number one, we believe in him. We put our faith in him. And the second thing we do is we obey him. You see, evidently, this is exactly what was happening to the Roman church. Let's go back and, and look at verse 8. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now think about that for just a second. Faith is an inward thing. Nobody can see your faith. It's something that you have on the inside. So how is it that their faith is being proclaimed throughout this known world that Paul was talking about? Well, you see, a faith, a, a real, true, vital faith, is always evidence, always visible through a person's outward obedience. These are the good works that the Bible talks about that people can see. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, this is why we're saved. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. This is what James, this is why James says what he says in James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. You see, a real true faith always results in these outward works of obedience. A faith that doesn't result in obedience is like a, a body without a spirit. That's what Paul, uh, James is saying. It's absolutely dead. By the way, this is why Jesus said what he said. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, if faith is the tree, obedience is the fruit that that tree always uh, produces. If a tree is not producing um, the, the fruit of obedience, then that faith is not true, it's not vital, and it's not real. Obedience is, is very simply just applying the Word of God to your life. It's absolutely as simple as that. You see, it's not enough just to read the Word. That's a great thing. It's a good thing. It, it's not enough to underline it and highlight it and, and make notes in your Bible. That's, that's perfectly fine. That's a good thing. By the way, it's not enough even to correctly interpret it. That is a wonderful thing and a great thing, but it's not enough. You see, in the end, the most important task of Bible study is application. We have to take what we read, take what we study, take what we understand, and apply it to our lives. James says it this way in 122, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your yourself. You see, the word of God is like a mirror. James also talks about this. And we use this mirror to examine ourselves. We, let, we allow the word of God to affect, to inspect and affect every aspect of our daily lives, every little nook and corner of our heart. It should affect the way we act. It should affect the way we talk. It should affect the way we treat others. It should affect the decisions that we make. It should make such a difference in our lives that those around us can tell that there's something different, um, that our faith is, is real. Let's go back to what Paul said. He's writing to this Roman church, and he says, Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I want to read you a quote. <clears throat> this is from the Roman emperor Julian in the 4th century, the 300s A.D., and this is what he said. He said, Atheism, now let me stop there. 
The early Christians were called atheists by the Romans because they would not uh, uh, worship the emperor as God. So they called them atheists. So whenever he talks about atheists, he's talking about people who refuse to worship the Roman emperor. So he says this, Atheism has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there's not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor but for ours as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. That was the, the, the Roman emperor Julian in the 4th century, century A.D. You see, their works were so outward, their obedience to Jesus' command to love one another were so just out there in front of the world that it testified to that living, true, vital faith that lived inside of them. I want to close with a scripture uh, in Matthew 5. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me read that part again. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I put a picture of, of the moon up on our, on our slide there. I was reminded by our pastor this past Sunday. We were talking about the moon, and, and you know, it, the moon, we say things like this, like the moon is bright tonight, or let's go for a walk in the moonlight. But the fact is the moon has no light of its own. It's only reflecting the light of the sun. You see, in the same way, God made us who we are to show the world who he is. In and of ourselves, we have no light. Our job is to reflect the light of Jesus in such a way through our obedience that the world can see exactly who God is. You see, that is our purpose, to put our faith in Christ, walk in obedience to his word, so that Jesus Christ is glorified and honored in all that I do. Let's pray. Father, uh, as always, we thank you for this wonderful word in, in Romans. God, we thank you that as Christians we have purpose in our life. God, I just pray for, our, uh, for those that are listening, for our family here at River of Life, that God, you would just encourage us, embolden us, exhort us through the Spirit, through our teachers, through our pastors, through your word, to walk out the light that's inside of us. Not to keep our faith hidden, God, but to put it on display so that the world can see who you really are and glorify your name. We ask it all in the name of your Son.